great! Hello everyone, welcome back to Are Your Parents Proud of You? Yes, that was a quote from the movie Almost Famous. And yes, that was a quote by the Mark Maron. I've been listening a lot to his podcast the last couple days. Uh, WTF or what the fuck. Because come on, it's an adult podcast. Anyway, today we speak with Jonah D. Winston, an actor and voiceover artist hailing from the city of Indianapolis, Indiana, graduating from the Jordan College of Arts at Butler University. Currently, he is in Big Fish at the Marriott Theater, but other people may be familiar with his work recently in Clue with Mercury Theater and the play that goes wrong at the Broadway Playhouse. Jonah and I met over Zoom, and we had a wonderful conversation. So without further ado, here is my conversation. Can I say the word conversation so many times? Probably, because I've been doing this for four years. Here is my interview with Jonah Winston. Hey, Jonah. Thanks for coming on. Happy to be here, Matt. Thank you for having me. So I just want to say the first thing I noticed, uh, I like many people in Chicago, I saw you do the play that goes wrong. Yes. And as a six foot four person with deep voice, yes. that it's always funny to me when it almost feels like we have to play against type or we use that height and our voice kind of as an advantage or as a big joke. Because right. we are very much tall people who yes. when you look at us, you know, we're kind of we we wouldn't expect us to be this comic relief, you know, right. Um, how often does that play a part into maybe your casting or how you get a character is like, I am this tall and this is what I sound like. <laughs> and then this is going to be my greatest strength, you know, you know, it's, it's hilarious because right now I am doing big fish up at the Marriott theater in Lincolnshire playing Carl, the giant. So I okay, mean, you, you know, it's already playing into what I am already, you know, um, and on top of that, they've added about eight inch platforms. So I'm even taller than I normally am. Oh, there you go. So it's just, it's just ridiculous. So it's fun being like seven feet, two inches tall right now. I'm having a great time with that. But, you know, I find a lot of people, especially when I sing, when I talk, you know, when they hear our voices, they're taken aback immediately. And then it's, ooh, there's something I can use. There's something that uh, I could uh, play into, utilize in some kind of different shape or form. I mean, I just played Colonel Mustard in Mercury's production of Clue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another murder mystery kind of show. Um, and then the play that goes wrong, you know, which was a blast. Uh, so much fun doing that. It's it's interesting because, uh, you know, it, it is kind of against type, right? It is against what I typically take on or what people typically expect from somebody who is over six feet tall, has a bass deep kind of voice. And I've recently found success in, in, in playing characters that utilize those characteristics of myself. So, I mean, you know, uh, hopefully that is the norm is changing. You know what I mean? You don't have yeah. to have a deep voice, be a tall person and end up playing a villain of some character or a bad guy, quote unquote, you know, uh, that tends to be the direction people with voices of a low volume <laughs> go. Um, but I, I've been playing these comic roles for about a year and a half now at this point. And it's, it's been really, really something different. And I hope it keeps trending in that direction. Were you always nervous? Like, did you not enjoy being that tall growing up? I, I have this issue, you know, I people have to look up at me or yeah. I stand out sadly just because like I'm not six foot four. Again, right. is not the is not an average height for some people. Right. Uh, so um, I'm like, yeah, go ahead. 
I, I, you know, it's, uh, I like to tell people the story of growing up of a young Jonah Winston in third, fourth grade who hit puberty a little bit earlier than everybody else. So my voice dropped when I was in fourth grade. Uh, I started growing facial hair and I started shooting up in height. You know what I mean? So I was always picked first whenever we were playing a sport. Uh, basketball, football, of course, you know what I mean? Hey, let's get the big guy on our team. Um, but, you know, it was also kind of a hindrance. I could never hide. You know what I mean? I, I always stood out in a crowd, as you know. And uh, you take those uh, realities and you put them on stage. And again, it's the same thing. I'm usually always the tallest person on stage with my co-stars or my castmates. Uh, I'm always standing out. It always becomes a kind of game of how do we not have Jonah draw focus on stage when we need you to look at something else or we need you to do something else? And, you know, recently in Big Fish, we had a situation where, you know, we need to look at these two other singers on stage while I'm helping puppeteer fabric to create this river effect. And it just became this, Jonah, you you just draw focus by existing. So, you know, it's like, I know, trust me, I'm trying to make myself as small as I possibly can. And it's hard. Um, so, you know, it's just been, uh, it's been an experience ever since, you know, I, I shot up in height, voice dropped and, uh, you know, I've I've been this way most of my life, so I don't know how to be any other way. Right. So it's just kind of making everybody else, you know, fit what I need them to or fitting into what everybody else's expectation is. It's about making everybody, you know, hey, maybe maybe we uh, adjust around me as opposed to me adjusting around you. Let's look at it that way. Right. right. Speaking of ex expectations, let's start with young Jonah growing yes. up in Indianapolis. Indiana. Yes. What were you like as a child? Um, you know, as a kid, I grew up uh, with, I have a twin sibling, Joe, oh. um, which, you know, great, fantastic. <laughs> uh, I have an older brother, Noah, you know, so we have Joe, Jonah, Noah. I'm the youngest of the three, only by five minutes by my twin. You know, my, my we tell the, the story that, uh, you know, I was going to be born first and then apparently like kick the doctor, you know what I mean? Tall tales, some, some, you know, <laughs> that's, what, that's what my mom like most had so stories to go. Right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, get off me. You know, this yeah. person's trying to, trying to touch me, go away. Um, but growing up young Jonah, you know, child born in 85, grew up in the nineties, definitely a nineties kid through and through and growing up with two siblings, you know, it's what you would expect. Uh, we were very much into a lot of different things. A lot of kids growing up in the 90s were into, you know, I have fond memories of playing in 64 Goldeneye with my with my brother and twin. You know, we were into X-Men, the animated series and all these other kind of shows that came on TV. You know, um, I am one of those kinds of weird people. My, my wife thinks this is hilarious all the time. Whenever we encounter 90s television shows, uh, theme songs, jingles, what have you, they're for some reason stuck in my mind. So uh, usually nine times out of 10, if you want to sing, I don't know, the theme song to like, Hey Dude, or uh, Eat My Shorts from Nickelodeon growing up, I still have those theme songs in my head. I still have the original Ninja Turtles theme song in my head, you know, um, all these years later. But um, you know, regular middle-class household, my mom taught art for years and years and years in junior high and high school levels. Uh, 
My dad was a former professional football player through the 60s and 70s um, and then became a police officer. So, you know, very much child of a then a police officer and a teacher growing up. Um, art was instilled in our life very early because I have very fond memories of my mom drawing and painting, you know, when we were growing up and very supportive of any endeavors or interests that my brother, my twin and I might have had. Uh, but especially in the arts, you know, we kind of fell in love with acting at a very young age. We took just on a whim some acting classes one time, and I really enjoyed doing that. And I enjoyed taking on characters. And, you know, when you have siblings, you play pretend and make believe, you know, right. I, I remember, you know, our, our, my brother and I coming up with you know, fake kind of scenarios where Superman was always fighting a bad guy. And he always, as the older brother, got to be Superman. I was always the bad guy as the younger brother, you know, as you are. Um, but, you know, just just coming up with these different things. And uh was very lucky that I went to a high school that uh, had a performing arts kind of section. We had a performing arts center. We had show choir. We had all these things. So, you know, I played football in all kinds of sports growing up, but I was that kid who was going from football practice to show choir rehearsal and having to deal with all the things that went with that kind of reality. Um, but I, I have fond memories of that growing up, and I think it helped really shape and guide me to the person I am right now. Mm -hmm. Does your twin uh, brother do anything with the arts? Uh, my twin, my twin, I, I say twin sibling. It's uh, she was born and uh, oh. female use they them pronouns is gender fluid now. Right. Um, so, the, yes, all three of us, believe it or not, to the chagrin of not my mom or my dad, but to everybody else in our family, we all went into theater. So we all went to the same college, Butler University in Indianapolis. We all graduated the exact same time and we're all in the performing arts in some capacity. So they both still live in Indianapolis and are killing it down there in different theaters and in different venues and whatnot. And you know, come up and support me every now and again. I go down and go back home, support them every now and again. But yeah, all three of us are are artists, uh, performing artists in some capacity. That's great because there's no, I assume there's no jealousy involved. Oh, I mean, you know, you, you, there's always going to be some kind of, you know, of course, you, especially growing up, you know, we we always, you know, sometimes my brother and I would go out for the same part and I'd get it and he'd be mad at me. He'd get it. I'd be mad at him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's that kind of like sibling rivalry where you support each other. But at the same time, you might be like, oh, I, I want what you have. But, you know, that that's part part of the business. That's part of growing up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, were you teased a lot as the youngest or was it really just everyone got along with everyone pretty much? You know, I, I got teased sometimes, again, just hitting a growth spurt sooner than everybody else. I, I remember getting called Jolly Green Giant as a kid, which didn't exactly feel great. You know what I mean? But having a close-knit uh, relationship with my siblings like we did, you know, we would maybe get in squabbles with each other. But we were very protective of each other outside of like our family like pod if you will you know so we maybe would tease each other growing up as as you do but uh outside of that you know if if somebody said something about my my twin sibling I would you know go in to defend them and my brother go and defend you know all these things and 
sometimes my twin and, and my brother would gang up on me. Sometimes my brother and I would gang up, you know what I mean? That kind of thing as you do, but, um, uh, not, not teased a whole lot because you kind of had a built-in support group, you know, with my twin being the same age as me, brothers only a year older. So we were all, we were very close growing up. And I think that really, really helped us just, you know, going from elementary school, junior high, high school, the formative years, if you will, that are, can be tough on, on people if you don't have some backup in some way. And I just consider myself very lucky that I had not just one, but two people backing me up all the way through my, my school experience. For sure. Was there something in particular that kind of helped solidify that you wanted to get into acting? You know, you took these classes, but, yeah. you know, you take a class or you do something that is probably just a one-off or this right. is not going to be a career. Was there something for you that kind of stuck with you? I, I had a, a teacher in high school. His name is Scott Black, Mr. Black, who... My freshman year, he taught a like acting one, like getting to know theater, getting to know the performing arts. And I always I always enjoyed performing. And again, I consider myself lucky going to a high school that had access to these things. And I talk about access all the time, you know, with people. And had I not had access to music classes, show choir, you know, if I didn't have access to theater programs, different theater um, classes I could have taken in high school. I don't know what I would have become. You know what I mean? It That my high school experience really afforded me the opportunity to go and try different things and just see if I enjoyed something, just see if something would stick. And Mr. Black, my freshman year, you know, we worked on scenes. We we really uh, dove deep into what being an actor meant, the lifestyle. It's going to be hard. You better love this. You know what I mean? And as a young, impressionable, you know, 14, 15 year old kid, that was invaluable to me and really kind of began my journey uh, down the path of like, not only, oh, this is not something I can just do for fun. It's something I can make a career out of and it's going to be tough. You know, I had a, I had a professor and my undergrad that said, you know, it's, this is a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. You hear all these overnight success stories and then you realize that it wasn't just overnight, you know what I mean? Um, and especially for someone like me, you know, I remember, uh, her name's Diane Timmerman at Butler university, my pro acting professor, she's the uh, department chair there now, but she said to me, Jonah, it's going to be a marathon for you specifically because your age is going to have to catch up with your voice and your just size. You know, right. in college, I'm sitting there playing all these father types of characters. I'm playing all these older characters and then get out into the real world as a bright eyed, bushy tailed 21 year old. And they've got people that are that age already, you know, and they're not looking at me to play the young hero because I'm going to distract from everybody else on stage again, going back just to. You got a six five guy standing on stage next to other people. They're going to look at him. You know what yeah. I mean? So she told me then it's going to be a marathon for you. And you're probably not going to really start getting roles that you want until you're early to mid 30s. And, you know, I'm 37 right now. And I would say that about two years ago, <laughs> pandemic aside, you know, so maybe four years ago at this point. Uh, things really started taking off for me. And I'm like, well, Diane, you were right. You know, as much as I didn't want to believe you, you were right. right. But, you know, um, but just, you know, going back to high school, again, just 
very fortunate to have performing arts classes that I was able to take advantage of. And that allowed me to say, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is the trajectory I want to take with my life. And um, just have had fantastic support along the way and access to so many things that allowed me to become a better actor, better performer. Definitely. For sure. Speaking of performing, so now you, so you went to Butler, you got a degree yeah. there, and then you went to Australia. Yes. And you, and now what was that choice and what made you say, you know, I think I want to leave the country to keep performing, doing that. You know, it, it was really just the opportunity to go down there and study. You know, uh, I had the opportunity to study there in undergrad in a, in a broad program and it was really fascinating. It was one of the first times I had ever been, you know, away from my hometown, from home for just an extended period of time. And, you know, go figure, you take a guy that's grown up in Indianapolis his whole life, decided to go to school in Indianapolis his whole life, and just let's uproot and just go someplace completely different, because I just wanted a perspective that was not intrinsically one that you would get here in the United States, you know what I mean? And Australia, in, in Adelaide, South Australia, Flinders University, where I studied, um, it was such a, a really cool just melting pot of cultures because I was meeting people from China, from Japan, from South Africa, from you know New Zealand, all these other different cultures and experiences and learning with them, alongside them, but also getting their kind of perspective on what not only the United States is, was, but also just what their perspective on life, how they grew up, how they, how they uh, experienced the world, you know, and just getting that was invaluable because it just puts a whole different shade on how we experience the world here and how, you know, our new cycles and things work and just how right. we understand our own world, you know, um, so, you know, was homesick for, I would say, about two weeks, you know, at that point, just because you're, you're far away from home. You know, it's a 16-hour flight on, right. on a good day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, you're passing through 20 different time zones. You, right. you know, it's it's tomorrow there already. So it was so weird to call home. And it's like, oh, I'm in the future, if you will. And they're all behind me. Um, but, you know, it, it it's I just wanted kind of a different perspective. And, and in my undergrad, too, we focused so much on theater and devised theater and what that was and australia is heavy on just on camera acting and just subtle acting and what that is and i really didn't get that experience in undergrad and i wanted that experience and just understanding what that was so i went down there it was it was a blast and then uh was more or less unceremoniously kicked out of the country they basically told me i'd been there long enough that i could uh, literally, I could uh, become a, an Australian citizen just because of the amount of time I'd spent down there. But in doing so, I would have to basically become an expatriate with America and like denounce my U.S. citizenship. And I said, well, I don't want to do that. And they said, well, that's great. Thanks so much for visiting. Uh, you have like a month to get out of here. Yeah. And I said, OK, bye. All right, time to go. <laughs> What was like? Was there, you know, I went to art school, and I come from you. I come from a middle class, you know, suburban neighborhood, and sure. then I come to downtown Chicago, and uh, you know, I don't know much about living in the going to an all liberal arts college, sure. and there I am getting these different perspectives, and that really wasn't the reason why I wanted to go to Columbia. That that was just you know my career. I wanted to get a, get take another things, but then right. all these other people come in 
through people who I never met, obviously, and people with different backgrounds and different stories forever. Um, for you, you want you said you want to get different perspectives. What you mm-hmm. is that? What was that um, that you were thinking that you made you want to? You know, what are these? Sorry, these different perspectives yeah. that, you think that you're trying to find. So it, you know, Butler in and of itself is uh, a predominantly you know it's a private university. It was a predominantly white university. Uh, and in our theater department, the ratio uh, male to female, just using standard binary, was like two to one. You know what I mean? And and that's two two female for every two two ladies for every one guy, right? So uh, it just it was it seemed very, I don't know, like one note, if yeah. you will, you know. And all of a sudden, I'm in a culture with people who not only are from all these different countries but then just all these different backgrounds and it was it was overwhelming you know because here in the United States we are fed you know so much I I guess if you will just the United States is the best patriotism you know all these kinds of things that we just grow up with and just take as rote because it's how we've grown up in this country and then to meet people who are like, well, you know, this is our ideology of the United States. This is what we think you guys have. This is what, you know, to, to learn legitimately, we, we, we all got drinks one night from, you know, the people in my class from Australia and South Africa. And I just said, ask me what your ideas of America are. What are like things that you think of when you think of the United States. And it was so strange to hear them say, well, everyone in the U.S. has a gun, right? And the, and the United States government issues you a gun at 18. Like they send you, happy birthday, you're 18, you go get a free gun and a box of ammo. Like that's just something that happens there, right? Like you, like asking me, you have a gun, right? And I'm like, no, that's no, you know, I mean, like you're right in some capacity, but that's not exactly true. You know what I mean? And to think, you know, I had them all say outside of major cities, Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, it's like the old West there, right? It's everybody's wearing cowboy hats and dusters and riding around on horses. And it's 18, you know, 65, 1875 again, you know, like that's the perspective that they have on this country. And it was so strange to learn that about the United States and so odd you know I I jokingly said that Australia is interesting because it feels like the United States just 10 years behind their obsession Mm. with like Seinfeld and like 90s fashion and everything I was down there was so so like otherworldly and uh and it was just kind of interesting to be like oh yeah I know this stuff I know Seinfeld I know all these kinds of things while I was down there um but it was just, it was nice to understand what their conceptions, misconceptions, what have you were about the United States to get a different just viewpoint on what this country is, was, and still holds, you know, such a high regard for all of them. I mean, so many of them were like, yeah, I'm going to graduate from here and I'm moving to L.A., you know what I mean? Because there is a rich film community in Australia but it's bigger here, you know? And since that's what they drill into you down there is on-camera acting. And, you know, you look at so many of our Hollywood stars here in the United States are from Australia and New Zealand right now, you yeah. know? Um, but it's it's bigger here. And so many of them want to come here purely because our film industry is so big here. 
And, you know, as small as we may want to think our theater kind of industry here is in the United States compared to like, you know, a Great Britain or Europe, you know what I mean? Those kinds of places. It's even smaller down there. The emphasis really isn't on live theater in Australia. It is film. And it's, you know, more so here than it is compared to a European country where it's just kind of ingrained in the culture there. So uh, it was just refreshing to understand other people's ideologies, other people's just perspectives on theater, art, entertainment, and just culture. You know what I mean? And again, you're kind of just grown up and you're you're taught to think of the U.S. as a specific kind of way. And then the minute you encounter somebody who says, well, actually, I think this way about your country. And the same way that I thought about, you know, Australia, I'm like, oh, we're going to go down here. It's, you know shrimp on the barbie everybody's drinking foster's beers down here right, right. and that this, that wasn't it <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what i mean i brought up all those kinds of just uh blanket kind of things we think about when we think about australian aussies and just this wasn't what the reality was you started out as like almost like a tourist per se yeah oh absolutely you know just picking up on the lingo you know what i mean right. and, you know for, for me they call mcdonald's mackers down there i thought they were talking about macaroni and cheese when i first got down there and i'm just like Oh, Mackers. Oh, McDonald's. Okay, great. You know, their sense of humor is completely different. American senses of humor rely so heavily on sarcasm and there relies very much on just kind of messing with you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's kind of flipping the script where they'll be saying something like we're having a nice conversation, but, you know, but, but then my cat died, you know, and they'll go really deep into like, and that really just it just really, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing. You know what I mean? It's that kind of sense of humor. So it was adjusting to that. I rely so heavily on sarcasm as a way to like make inroads with people. And they right. would just look at me like, really? I'm like, no, not. Okay. We need to rethink how comedy works here. You know? So yeah. Yeah. It was great. I, I, I love that. But I want to go back so bad. <laughs> uh, Cole, Cole Porter. You can yes. sing any of his songs from, yeah. from scratch. Or if someone tells you sing something from him, you will do yeah. it. Uh, how does he play an inspiration in your life? And how did you get, how did you first start to listen to him? Well, and Cole Porter, uh, born and raised in, as he liked to call it, Peru, Indiana, uh, which is hilarious. But um, I worked for years before moving to Chicago and I've, I've lived in Chicago for 10 years now at this point, just this past October celebrated my 10 year anniversary here, which is wonderful. But I worked at the, uh, the Indiana historical society and the room that I worked in predominantly was our Cole Porter room, you know, and we just talk about, uh, Indiana at that historical society. We talk just about Indiana legends, people who were born there, maybe people, people folks don't realize have an Indiana connection and turns out Cole Porter, legendary lyricist and musician and, and composer and songwriter for Broadway, yeah, born in Indiana of all places, go figure. Right. Um, so part of my responsibility is in the Cole Porter room, we legitimately had a music, they set up the room like an old cocktail lounge, you know, and they had this video playing with him on it, just talking about his history, Broadway, all of the, the, the Broadway shows he wrote. and. On in this menu on these tables were 29 different Cole Porter songs you could select, and I had to stand there and sing those 29 songs. So there was a deep learning curve. You know, we had this fantastic player piano where you could cue up the song in 
the octave that you needed to be in, which was wonderful. And it was this just player piano. So of course I'm picking all these songs singing, you know, love for sale in my octave, you know what I mean? Which is, which was wild, but you know, you use name a Cole Porter song, a famous Cole Porter song, song that you probably don't know is a Cole Porter song. And I could sing it off the top of my head might be a little rusty at this point, but I, the minute you mentioned that, I'm just like, we got love for sale. We don't fence me in. We got night and day. We've got, you know, all these songs that just in my head, I'm like, I could sing that song right now if I needed to. <laughs> well, there, there's your audition piece right there. Absolutely. If you, you still wanted to. Yeah. Uh, so I also want to know one before we even go to our game. Uh, you do, uh, you have a one person show. Uh, yes. And I, one person shows and like you started it, you, you, you wrote it, right? You, this is, yeah. some, this is like your little personal project. One person shows are so uh, I, I'm so taken aback by them because just the work and like this is essentially a, a your baby that you started from when uh, it, it first started. Um, how did what made you want to do a one person show and how did that get started? Uh, so we a, a close close friend of mine, uh, Michael Hosp, who's one of my best friends, went to undergrad with him. We found this book of poetry. I guess he actually introduced me to this book of poetry by Saul Williams, who's a fantastic, fantastic poet, um, called The Dead in Sea Scrolls, and read through all of the poems, <laughs> as you do, and just picked out ones that we really liked. And then we cut them up and then rearranged them in some kind of linear storytelling fashion. And then presented this show as kind of a senior project together. Um, and then from there, I took the show and reconfigured it once again and had him direct me in it. And it just kind of went from there. It's 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 such a it holds such a special part in my life because you know that's doing a one person show is terrifying. You know, you're the you're the only person that you can rely on up there is you're the only one that you can rely on up there. It's you. It's all self-generated. You're you're going off of any organic feedback the audience might give you, which I invite at certain points throughout that show. But, you know, uh, they're difficult. And I mean, the show was maybe an hour, hour, 15 minutes long. And I just remember being exhausted after every single performance we did of that show because it is, it's tough. And, you know, the story that we were telling was of this, this almost derelict uh, transient man who, you know, I, the first lines, check it out now, check me out now, let y'all know what I'm about now. And telling the story of this person who's down on their luck, you know, there, there's a, there's a very pointed, uh, line in that that was one of my favorite Saul Williams uh, lines in one of his poems is that, you know, when when you look at me, what do you see? Do you see, you know, this person who could, you know, alter the stars and change the cosmos is made of the same stuff as you? Or do you just see a homeless man down on his luck, somebody you walk over as you walk by kind of situation? And it just kind of, I love that idea uh, that we're all connected in some way and that we're all have value on this planet and you know we choose not to acknowledge those kinds of people uh on a regular basis and it's it's sad because you know we're, we're all here together we're all doing this we're all in this this you know carl sagan this small blue dot just floating through space 
here, you know? So uh, that one person show it's, you know, I haven't done it in years at this point. And I, I need to call Mike back up and be like, Hey, you want to, you want to get the band back together and do it again? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool. And uh, you know, the poetry of Saul Williams is something really special. And I think more people should know about him and his work. Well, we do have some time. We're going to play a game called Loving. Time, for, time for Two. Two minutes on the clock. Hey. Two minutes of random icebreaker questions. No right, no wrong. I just want to see what your opinion is. Are you, you ready? Got it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. Favorite planet? Pluto. Though, though it's Favorite. not a planet anymore. <laughs> Favorite president? Uh, Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> what part of the human face is your favorite? Uh, probably people's noses because they're all so different. <laughs> Karaoke song of choice. Ooh, can't get enough of your love, babe. Barry White. <laughs> Is a DJ just someone who's good at iTunes? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is a hot dog just a sandwich? Um, I would say a hot dog is a form of taco, and you could say a taco Ooh. is a sandwich. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Yeti or Hydro Flask? Ooh, Yeti. Fork, spoon, or knife? I like a spork, because you can stab and scoop at the same time. <laughs> Favorite type of cheese? Uh, sharp cheddar. Ooh. Uh, favorite beetle? <laughs> Ringo, because people don't like Ringo. <laughs> Uh, who's the greatest game show host of all time? Oh, Mark Summers. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, man. That's a good one. Uh, Brandon or Brandon or Brandon? Brandon. Uh, would you rather have unlimited sushi for life or unlimited tacos? Ooh, unlimited tacos. I'm a Mexican food guy. Yeah. Uh, what movie would be greatly improved if it was made into a musical? Oh my gosh. You know, I'd love to see Star Wars the musical, especially the probably the <laughs> probably the Rise of Skywalker would be a lot better as a musical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, last one. Uh which Disney film best describes your life? Oh my gosh. Uh oh, probably Wally, just because I like Wally. <laughs> and that's how we play. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Wally's a hopeless romantic who loves musicals. That seems <laughs> like me. Come on. <laughs> you and Wally. I, I see it now. Yeah, me. Where's his peas in a pod here? <laughs> I love that. Jonah, before we go, my last question to you is, are your parents sure. proud of you? Uh, yes. I will say that, uh, you know, sadly, both of my parents have, have passed on at this point in my life. Um, but I like to think, you know, they're, 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 they've become the ancestors, as we, as we like to say. But I, I like to think and know that they are proud of me, you know. Um, the, the, the much, as much as I've accomplished and still hope to accomplish in my life and career, they were always so supportive of anything myself, my siblings did, do, continue to do, will do. Um, and I know that they're looking down with the biggest smiles on their faces and just, you know, are tickled pink that I'm not only doing this as acting and performing as a career, but 
that I'm finding some modicum of success with it when everybody in my family was telling them when I said, I want to get a theater degree and you're going to get some other degree when that ultimately doesn't work because that's the way that the arts degrees work. And I know that they're up in heaven, wherever they are, laughing at that idea that I'm doing it and I'm finding success at it. That's awesome. Jonah, thank you for coming on. I had it was nice to talk to you and finally nice. hear from you in person other than the stage. And so this was a lot it's of It's such fun. a pleasure, Matt. Thank you so very much for having me. For more information on Big Fish, go to MarriottTheater.org. And that is it for this week's episode. Next time on Are Your Parents Proud of You, I speak with comedian St. James Jackson. Remember, follow us on Facebook, like us on Instagram, email us, parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. That is it, folks. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.